Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. This is the first verse of a poem called Every Day as a Wide Field, Every Page by Naomi Shehab Nye. Standing outside, staring at a tree, gentles our eyes. We cheer to see fireflies winking again. Where have our friends been all the long hours? Minds stretching beyond the field become their own skies. Windows, doors grow more important. Look through a word, swing that sentence wide open. Kneeling outside to find sturdy green glistening blossoms under the breeze that carries us silently. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you scrumptious and saucy shepherd's pie. My name's Owen, and unfortunately, due to a technical malfunction as mistimed as flatulence at a funeral, the sound quality will be under par today. Nonetheless, I'm very happy to present this episode to you, as we had marvellous fun answering some of your questions. So, here I am, presenting it. Here it is. Infinite thanks for listening. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted and thrilled um, to bits, as they say, to many bits, thrilled to many bits, to be joined by Reds around the world, Peter, who's in Portland, and Brian, who's in Hong Kong. Um, and I just Googled it. Well, I Googled it earlier, but I just Googled the conversion so we can make this a truly international fact. Um, there are 6,000... 6,546 miles uh, between Portland and Hong Kong. And that's if you fly over the Pacific. Um, that's the quickest way. Uh, if you fly via France, where I am, you're basically going all the way around the world. And this is what we love on Cropland. We love bringing people together from all over the place. We've got some lovely questions from listeners all around the world. Uh, today as well. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, please do copponpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at copponpodcast. Let's jump right into it uh, with the listener questions. Uh, I love getting questions. Excellent stuff. And the first one is very topical. It's from Simon Pennington. Thank you, Simon. Thank you very much for listening. And he asks, what is the point of an international break in a season already affected by COVID? And this is a very valid question. I'm going to go to you, Peter, first. What's the point, Peter? Uh, well, uh, Simon, thanks for that question. And Owen, thanks again for having us. I couldn't agree more. Uh, what is the point? Who who cares? I mean, honestly, you'd like to, th- you'd like to think that maybe these t- teams are able to get these guys vaccinated, but it's just an unnecessary risk. And I even feel this way <laughs> without COVID. Uh, you run the risk of 
losing players. I think we saw Martial hurt his knee just the other day. Um, uh, was it? Was it yesterday? Um, and we also lost Gomez to international training as well. I, I just think it's there's so much risk, and I'm so happy that at least some of the uh, countries and uh, some of the clubs have prevented some of their players from traveling. Um, so I just I spend the whole whole break with my fingers crossed and just hope everybody comes back in one piece. And you know I, I'm sure we'll get on to talking about. Trent's absence from the England squad this uh, this break, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I think it's a serious silver lining as we're already really thin at the back. So, you know, there's just less people for me to worry about on this break. But, but yeah, like Simon said, what is the point? Excellent answer. Um, I watched about 10 minutes of France versus Kazakhstan today um because i don't know it was on tv here in france but after 10 minutes i was bored as all heck i mean if you played exactly the same game a hundred times france would win maybe 99 and maybe draw once if you played this game 500 times france would win maybe 490 times and draw nine of them and maybe, perhaps, maybe once in 500 games, uh, Kazakhstan might somehow nick a win if, uh, even then, that'd be generous. Maybe 5,000. Who knows? Brian, it's a load of old talk, isn't it, international football? Yeah, it's complete nonsense. I mean, watching football uh, at the moment, even when it's your beloved Liverpool, there's a struggle sometimes when there's no... There's no fans in the stadiums and you can hear the water boys like <laughs> walking down the sidelines, but watching international football, oh, I mean, it's, it's a complete nonsense. And, and it's, uh, I mean, it's so dodgy as well, right? It's just a, it's just a, an accident waiting to happen. So yeah, as a Liverpool fan, I think all international football is crap. Uh, I want it all gone. And I, yeah, I can't, I, I've got nothing to say about international football other than let's just scrap it and just stick to club football. Except for Wales and Ireland. <laughs> but everything else. <laughs> well, Wales, uh, Malta, they're my two teams. Uh, Malta played Slovakia. We were 2-0 up, and then Slovakia came back to 2-2. I'd like to say I was disappointed, but I don't give a crap. Oh, um, Malta's, the, Malta's the hipster's choice for international football, I have to say. It doesn't get much <laughs> hipster than Malta. <laughs> Good for you. Very true. I think I might have to, I don't know. I don't know, grow a goatee and start playing a bongo, something like that, to be even more hipster than I already am having a podcast. All right. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to more fun stuff to talk about. Oxley Chamberlain. The Near Post podcast uh, have sent in a question. The Near Post podcast. Do check them out on Twitter. Great stuff. Thanks for the question, guys. Uh, the question is simple. I'm going to go back to you, Brian. You can answer this first. Does Oxlade-Chamberlain have a future at Liverpool? Mm, I would say no. No, he doesn't. Um, I want to preface that by saying I love the guy to pieces. I just think as a bloke, as a guy, as an individual, as a guy to have in the dressing room and around the club, brilliant you know he's a he's a cooler version of james milner <laughs> um, just an all-round good egg and 
phenomenal footballer, you know, on his day, absolutely brilliant, unstoppable. But unfortunately, his day has been less and less with each season that's gone past. And uh, in like I did a bit of research before getting onto this call and I had I came across a website that had uh, the players contracts and their salaries. And now I've lost it. But I was absolutely shocked (laughs) at what I saw. And, uh, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain is one of the top, top earners at the club Um, and someone like uh, Robbo is right down at the bottom. I mean, I was absolutely amazed at how little he's getting paid. So, you know, I think there's looking at our salaries, looking at the contract situations with the, with the squad, I think there's a bunch of players that will, will be looking to upgrade their existing deals at um, Liverpool, and those deals need to be paid for somehow. And I just think um, he is too much of a luxury for me. I mean, he reminds me of... Uh, Oh, um, Adam Lallana uh, in terms of like where he's at. I think this season was the season that he really had to, you know, play 10 games in a row um, and and remind everybody how good he was. But that unfortunately hasn't happened. So for me, I would say thanks for the memories, Ox, and uh, good luck with your Instagram career. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, And that's a lovely answer from Brian about... um... Chamberlain, he's 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 not impressed, Peter. What what would you say about Oxley Chamberlain? I would largely agree with what Brian said. Um, I think we've seen his his the peak of his powers already, and I think I finally just put my finger on what I think his his levels are. I as as we saw, he came into the game against Wolves um, for maybe the last fifteen minutes or so, and. He looked like he was contributing positively, but I would say that the players around him were were gelling and playing pretty well that day. And I think that sort of sums up Ox Ox's potential for me. Is he's I think he's capable and fast of mind enough to be able to facilitate when other um, players are playing well around him. But as we're starting to see this trend of how teams play against us. In the league, I just don't think he is able to conjure up that quality um, enough on his kind of on his own accord. I I've heard people talk about maybe playing him as a as a a, a right wing back, um, sort of more in his older position that he used to play at, um, at Arsenal. Maybe to uh, if we wanted to experiment with moving Trent around. Um, I don't think it would be bad business at all if we could get some decent money for him. And like Brian was saying, he's on pretty decent wages, and that would give us a lot of wiggle room. But I don't know if anybody's going to bite. I, you know, we can say this about a lot of our players. We want to move a lot of players on, but I just don't know. You know, you can't sell something that people don't really want to buy. Um, I'd be open to keeping him. Um, as a depth option, as he's kind of playing right now, but I don't think you know, we should uh, hold our breath expecting the Oxivold to come back, uh, unfortunately. So I'd, I'd be at peace with saying goodbye, but um, he's a decent, decent guy. I think he's popular in the dressing room and, um, you know, experimenting for one more season to maybe use, uh, use his pace um, and his power on the ball maybe a little bit further back is something I would be open to. Very interesting answers there, guys. And I would uh, disagree with you both in that I would keep 
um, because, I mean, you both mentioned his versatility um, and what he can offer. As for the wages, that's a really good point, but I'm going to disregard that um, because I think he's got a really good attitude uh, for someone who is on high wages, if indeed those those numbers are true. And I think he would be open to adapting, especially, as you say, Peter, there aren't going to be too many clubs that are willing to snap him up. I would keep him. I would accept that he may well get injured again, but I would explain to him that, you know, this might be his last chance at a really massive club like Liverpool. And he needs to learn various positions because he's played, for example, wing-back for Arsenal. And I think uh, it's been mooted before. It's not my idea, uh, although I did have the idea as well, uh, that he could be cover at right-back, for example. He could be cover at left-back. He could be cover in central midfield. And as we've seen recently, where he's looked really lively, he could actually be uh, a replacement, a substitute late in the game for our false nine, our our sort of deep-lying number nine, the Firmino role, if you will. So I think he does have a future at the club in that kind of role. I think, as you both said, he's really good for the squad. He's really good for morale is a good lad and we need good lads in our squad um so there you go that's my opinion uh the next question from 1892 reds podcast thank you very much for this question um with the defensive issues we have had all season is the most defining injury the one sustained to jutter lack of goals has been bad for us for the second half of the season. Okay, I'm going to put that to you, Peter. Um, is Jota the biggest injury of the season? Yes. I don't think you could argue anything against that. Um, we 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 brought him in for a decent uh, for a decent fee, um, and I think uh, that that Klopp and the team saw that um, we we're going to need this uh, this extra factor going forward. And I know there's a lot of a lot of opinion out there about Firmino and his output, but he's there's no denying he's been on a steady decline as far as his productivity and numbers have gone. And um, you know, we also give Firmino uh, a lot of leeway in saying that he's not our goal scorer. He's the he's the glue, and the way that he plays affects the other um, the other attackers. But as our attack overall has has suffered this year with Jota not uh, in it, um, I think it it just goes to show that that the value of having um, Jota is, has been maybe one of the most important pieces of business we've done. And then playing him in that that meaningless game was perhaps one of the biggest mistakes. Um, so I would say, yeah, that was probably our biggest injury, um, coupled with the fact that you know we mismanaged uh, how we dealt with some of the other injuries. Um, but if we had uh, been brave enough to trust some of our less experienced center backs and, and keep a serious defensive mid in, in place, and if we had kept Jalta healthy, I think we're looking at a drastically different uh, situation uh, right now. So, uh, yeah, lots to look forward to. Fortunately, he's he's young and he doesn't have a long uh, history of, of chronic injuries or serious impact injuries. So um, there is a lot to look forward to. But, but yeah, he was a big miss. Surprisingly, yeah, a great answer. Uh, the the only slight uh, counter argument to that could possibly be Virgil Van Dijk, because if Virgil stays fit, perhaps 
perhaps Fabinho could stay in midfield and our season also looks completely different, perhaps. Uh, what's your take on it, Brian? Um, yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm glad you brought up Virgil. I'm just looking at the, the question. If it's to do with the second half of the season, then yeah, I'd say Jota for sure. Um, but if it's the season as a whole, I would say Virgil van Dijk, clearly for me. Um, he is a once-in-a-generation player, and he exudes so much power, so much calmness, and he makes everybody look world-class when, he, when they play alongside him. And, um, you know, I've been pushing forward this idea that... Uh, uh, when I say pushing forward this idea to people that listen to me at the coffee shop, um, that we should have we replaced him. We should have been ballsy. We should have been... Um, brave in the transfer market when he had that horrible injury and, and signed somebody then. I mean, I like the way Klopp is very, very uh, loyal to his players and um, and that's good. But I just think we just we just lose so much not having him in the team, um, not just from the defence, but also from the midfield. Players had to go back there. Uh, you know, we're we're saying, oh, it's it's great. Not you know, we have Fabinho in there, but you know, we 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 all forgot how good Fabinho was in the middle of the park until he went back in there recently. So for me, I just think you know, Virgil Van Dijk is is just uh, what's what did I say? New, new sauce or next sauce? I can't remember the phrase, but he's uh, he's on a different level altogether. So I think the minute he got. Uh, injured for the whole season that, that was it that our the whole complexion of our season changed from that point onwards indeed uh our source got a little bit rancid after that moment um <laughs> but the um yeah it's a difficult one it's a difficult one if you had to choose which one is the, is the bigger loss because jota yeah i mean him being out for so long uh him being basically our fourth choice so we had no more fourth choice attacker meant Forward three had to play all the time. I think with rotation, I think Firmino uh, and Mane would be uh, much much fitter right now and much more able to uh, to attack the rest of the season. But, uh, no, it's a great question, um, and uh, all I can say is we just can't can't wait for them both to be back. Uh, so the next question uh, is again from Simon Pennington. Thank you, Simon. Um, he says, "No way." Should we get rid of Bobby F? He's the glue that creates our best play. And the idea of buying El Pistolero instead is pure madness. Luis Suarez is one of the best ever seen with the Reds, but he's had his time. Do you agree, Brian? I agree with no way would I get rid of uh, Bobby. No way. Um, look, you know, this is, this is a crazy season. And uh, I, I was listening to some podcasts over the week. And I think that you know, the sensible heads are out there prevailing that can see this for what it is. And it's just extraordinary, you know, in, in its shape and what's happening. And so difficult for these guys to go out there and perform just like nothing's going on because something is clearly going on. And uh, Bobby's just brilliant. I love him to pieces. Is Has he gone off the boiler? Yes, he has. Let's be honest, he has. It's obvious. And, uh, you know, his first touch is not great at the moment, etc., etc. But, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent. He's a world-class player. He's the best at what he does in the world, not just in European football. In, you know, in that position that he plays, nobody can even hold a candle to him. 
So, you know, I would be firmly in the camp of, you know, restart, reboot. I mean, he's got two years left in this contract. I don't think he's the third highest earner at the club, according to this uh, obscure website that I've just found. And, um, I, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be paying those wages for him. So, I, yeah, I'd be very happy to see him um, at the club a long time. As for Luis Suarez, I was talking to my buddy about this. And, you know, the thing about Luis Suarez is... He's box office. It's I, 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 it's just like, you know, something bad, something's going to happen when he's playing. It's like going, it's like seeing a Mike Tyson fight back in the day. <laughs> Crazy shit's about to happen. And I, I believe he's tearing it up in uh, Atletico over in Spain at the moment. So I wouldn't be against seeing Louis back at the club. The only thing that would give me pause for thought with Louis, because for me, Louis Suarez is the best footballer that I have watched consistently like I I don't watch Messi play week in week out and I watched uh I watched step over Ronaldo when he was at United so I don't I didn't see you know the more refined version uh later on in his career but as for week in week out Luis Suarez did things with the ball that I've never seen any player do um so for that I would just love to have him back but the only thing that would give me pause is the amount of the English press hate him <laughs> and it would just be open hunting season uh, if he came back as much fun as it would. I, I think the amount of um, bad energy that he would bring uh, our way, I don't think it would be worth it. So I'd be more inclined to keep Bobby and sign up uh, Filippo for one more, one more go. <laughs> Great answer. Excellent stuff. Uh, Peter, yes, it has been mooted around, I don't know if it's just Liverpool Twitter or what, but uh, swapping Firmino for Luis Suarez is is complete buffoonery, isn't it? Yes, no way. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I was as impressed with uh, Suarez's years with us, and and no doubt he is one of the all-time greats to play for Liverpool and, and, and probably ever. But... There was a lot of dragging the Liverpool name through the mud. Um, there was so much controversy. As Brian was saying, the the press was just, oh, it's going to be open hunting season. And it was, it was so annoying. I mean, obviously, he's the kind of villain that you'd want on your side. And he was good at what he does. And, he, you know, he showed he had no problem playing that role for Barcelona when he... Uh, when he played versus Liverpool two years ago, but I just wouldn't get mixed up in that, uh, especially given his age and that he's, I, th- I think our front three are all coming into their 29th year. Um, and I, I think bringing in somebody who's a few years older wouldn't make too much sense, especially because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of younger uh, prospects that, um, that are really promising that wouldn't bring that that history that wouldn't bring that drama perhaps that distraction i don't know what his wage demands would be um so i would actually steer clear of suarez and keep firmino but i would be phasing firmino out i don't you know i don't think we should be selling him um but his his numbers have significantly been off and i you know, just the eyeball test, just looking at uh, his touch, his, his inability to kind of make the ball stick at his feet some some games, his, uh, his being the glue, his being the link-up play and getting the ball, uh, you know, around in a year where our, our offensive, um, you know, uh, potency has 
has declined a little bit. You gotta. At what point do we we hold Firmino accountable? I know we don't we don't give him, you know, uh, much trouble for the the low goals. It's not what he does. It's like well, when other people around him are are struggling, it, it is up to you know we can only field eleven players. And um, I, you know, I made a prediction at the beginning of the season that Bobby Firmino would would not be a nailed on starter by the end of the year. And if if Jota had been fit this whole time, I think that might already have been the case. We were playing Man City this late late last fall or early winter. And, you know, there was all, all week people were saying, do we play Firmino or do we play Jolta? And I, I just think that's, that's the way things are trending, unfortunately, but keep Bobby, uh, get as much as you can out of him, let him rotate, let him help teach uh, whoever comes in. Um, but, but I think it is time to bring in some new blood. I know we're going to get onto talking transfers later. And, um, you know, I love Bobby as much as the next guy, but, but uh, he's been underperforming his XG by, by over half. He scored sixth this season. Just for a, um, a little bit of perspective, um, Che Adams, Mikhail Antonio, James Madison, and Suchek have all scored more than Firmino. And he's level with uh, Tielemans and Rafinha as far as goals scored. And I just... It, it, you know, it's just the standard that we're at now. We have to be having this conversation on whether or not that's that's enough. So I think it's I think it's time to keep looking forward, keep him, but but bring in bring in some more. It's a lovely answer, and I totally get where you're coming from. But I do think Firmino's been a bit of a fall guy. I think yes, his level has decreased a little bit, but last season we got 99 points, and Firmino only in 38 games got nine goals uh, and i'm pretty sure you can find some midfielders who scored more than nine goals uh last season he got nine goals and eight assists last season no one was complete um this season in 27 matches he scored six goals and has five assists so he's three goals down and three assists down if he plays if he manages to play the last nine games and manages three goals, three assists, um, he would have equaled last season's performance. But um, I don't know. I, I, I just think after a little bit of a rest, I've been saying it for months now, he'll be back. He'll be back. I would I would have all the patience in the world for Bobby Firmino to, to, to come back and start dazzling us again. Um, the next question, the last question from the listeners, is a great one. It's a very simple one, and the simple ones are, are, are magnificent. The brevity is marvellous. Uh, it's from Dede, regular listener. Hello, Dede. And he asks, who goes and who comes in this time? And I've had a really long look at it. Uh, I've been thinking about this for days, actually. Um, and for me, the outs... Unfortunately, Wijnaldum looks like he's going. I would do everything to try and keep him. I would, because uh, he's so solid. But unfortunately, he's going. But who would I choose to go out? Not men. Divock, if you can get a buyer. Origi would be would be guy. Uh, Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez, because his reputation is 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 huge, you'll be able to get a very very good price. But I think. Even before the injury, I think he was struggling, even playing along Van Dijk. Um, he just didn't He didn't seem to be... He has a touch of the Emil Heskies about him. He seems like a really good chap, a lovely guy, 
the kind who you know you'd be you'd be happy to to leave um you know your 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 children in his care because he's a, he's a lovely he seems like a great guy but a little bit too nice or something i don't know what it is he just lacks a little bit of aggression on the field for someone of his stature he should be more aggressive and more commanding than he is i think we could do better and i think we get a great price so and his injury record although yes a lot of them have been impact injuries i would not he seems unlucky with that and uh, i don't know for me he would go. Uh, apart from Divock and Gomez, and unfortunately, Genie, uh, I wouldn't do much. Um, there's an argument to replace Coutinho with Shakiri, uh, to replace Shakiri with Coutinho. Ooh, we'll get onto that in a minute. But no, Divock, Gomez, and Genie are the outs. As for the ins, uh, I would probably sign Kaba. Probably, um, I think he's impressed so far. He's 20 years old. He's got great potential. Um, I'd probably sign Kabak, uh, but I would also get one more experienced centre-back to replace Joe Gomez. And I've identified two who would absolutely make me weep with joy. One of them is Pau Torres. Pau Torres plays for Villarreal, if you don't know. Um, he's a very, very cultured, left-footed defender. In the Daniel Agamond, if you will, he's strong, he's tall. Um, he's extremely elegant, and I do love elegant players. He could play those 70-yard 70, 70 pingles across the pitch to Trent, uh, and I, that would be a joy to behold. And he's very good at progressive passing from defence. And the other one would be Jules Koundé from Sevilla, and he's uh, very young, 20, 21 years old, something like that. Um, and Sevilla have only conceded 21 goals by far the best defence in the in La Liga, and although I don't watch La Liga and I haven't seen Kunde or Pau Torres, apart from compilations on YouTube over the last few days as I've been researching this, but uh, the stats back it up uh, that they're both absolutely phenomenal talents. So Pau Torres is a bit older, 24, 25, something like that. Kunde is very young, around 20 years old. So they would be my choice, either of those at centre-back. Uh, in midfield, um, I would have a solid central midfielder. I think we need solid central midfielder. We have um, in our midfield for next season, let's assume Genie's going, uh, we've got Curtis Jones, Hendo, Thiago, Fabinho, Milner, Cater, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Maybe Shakira, you could drop it back there. Maybe Trent, but we'll talk about that in a bit as well. But uh, of the of the normal ones, Jones, Hendo, Thiago, Fabinho, Milner, Caton, and Oxley Chamberlain. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of those seven are injury prone. We're going to need somebody solid, somebody reliable. I would suggest Florian Neuhaus, who plays for Mönchengladbach. Again, I don't watch the Bundesliga, but I've looked at a lot of his stats and I've seen compilations. He's tall, he's strong. Again, he's elegant. He's got a touch of the Chabi Alonso's in terms of able to able to spread the ball around. So someone like him, someone strong, solid, dependable. Um, Bissouma is another one who I really like, but there's the African Cup of Nations next year. And if we lose Kate, we lose Mane. Uh, uh, Mohamed Salah, of 
course, then um, we might be up uh, some kind of creek uh, that smells bad. Um, so I would I, I would probably go either Florian Neuhaus or break the bank for Kammerwinger, who's 18 years old, and he's an absolute phenomenon. This guy I have seen quite a few times in terms of 90 minutes, maybe five or ten times, uh, and his stats are magnificent. He plays in Liga. Um, he's already made his, his full international debut. He's an absolute phenomenon. So Neuhaus, Bissouma or Kammerwinger, two of those. Or a similar profile, strong, powerful, two midfielders, and one more would be an attacker. Could we persuade Bayern Munich to part with Thomas Muller? Perhaps not. Perhaps his wages are too high. Would we take a punt on Luisito Luis Suarez, 19 goals and 25 appearances, whereas his XG is only 12? He's seven above XG because he's such a phenomenal finisher. Maybe if he's happy on the bench, if he's happy to take a wage cut, um, having him back would just be... I mean, imagine you've got Luis Suarez you could bring him on at any time. You could bring him on for the last 20 minutes of match. He could be your clutch player. The clutch player of dreams. Um, that's exactly what I would do. It's a very long answer. I've given it a lot of thought. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, Peter, going to you, what would you do? Well, can I ask you a quick question, Owen? I, uh, it was fascinating to listen to. I just have a question. Um, are you keeping Phillips or are you selling Phillips? Oh, I'm keeping Phillips as long as he's happy uh, to play a similar role to this season, uh, but he's uh, only called upon when necessary. Okay. Um, well, the, the Goma shout is interesting. I, I really haven't thought about about that. I would probably hang on to him um, because he's, he's still quite impressive. Uh, he seems to have a really good chemistry going with, uh, with Virgil as well. I know his injuries have been significant, but... They seem pretty freak, so I would give him one more pass. I would also, it, it looks like Genie is going. I would, I would have tried to have kept him uh, around. Uh, his his fitness and availability, you can't be understated, especially compared to a lot of our other midfielders who have had their own struggles. I could see Shakiri going out. Uh, I could see Divac going. Um, I I also see us. Um, looking to move Phillips on as, as much as I've been a huge admirer of Phillips um, for a, a few years, actually, I've been following him and I'm happy he's finally getting the attention. I, I have a feeling that, that uh, Klopp doesn't fully trust some, some attribute that maybe reminds him of him of his playing days uh, when he didn't have enough in, in his legs. So I think Phillips is going to be moving and I moving on. I think there might be a, a decent uh, bit of profit made off, off of that deal. So that's I, I think those four players are, are going to be leaving. I do agree. I think we'll be keeping Kabak. Uh, Kabak. Um, I would be looking to bring in a a solid um, center back as well. Um, I I almost can't even uh, count uh, Masip. He's just so unavailable. And boy, did we need him this year. And 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 the wonderful thing about him is the first game he comes back to play after being out injured, he looks. Great. It's like he he hasn't missed a beat, um, but it's it's a you know it's just he's been too consistently unavailable for me to count on him. 
So I would actually be looking. My my first choice would be Coletta Carr. Um, he plays at Marseille. He's 24 years old, so he'll be coming right into his prime. But he leads the league in aerial duels, one, uh, most interceptions, and probably most importantly is his long-range uh, passing accuracy. Um, I've been doing some research as well, and and this guy looks absolutely boss. And I think at that age, for a price, you know, well, who knows what, what the prices will be this summer, but he's supposedly uh, valued on transfer market for only about 23 mil. So I would be looking to bring him in. Um, there's also the discussion around uh, if we couldn't get Coletta Carr. And might I also add, we did make a bid for him late in January. Um, it was too late in the window, and supposedly Marseille were unable to find a replacement in time. But that's something I think we'll be revisiting. You have to think that FSG probably had a plan before the pandemic hit, you know, and, and Klopp is going to only be here until 2020. 24. So there must be some sort of three-year, what do we do while we have Jurgen um, plan? So you got, got to imagine there's been some stuff that's put on the back burner, and it just looks like there's this relationship, there's this interest, and I think we'll be going back in for him. So I think there's a good chance at that price um, that we bring him in. Um, there's been some talk about uh, David Alaba uh, leading for a free from Bayern Munich. He's can play in defense, he can play on the left, he can play in mid. Uh, you know, I think when he was playing for Guardiola, he played in every position, you know, other than goalkeeper. Um, but there has been some rumors of him maybe moving on to uh, Real Madrid. But, you know, I'll take those Spanish rumors with a grain of salt. But I think one of those two could be a good solution. Um, Alaba kind of more of a fix-all. He could play play in a variety of positions. But um one of those two, and then I would I'd move on to Memphis Depay as a really interesting prospect. His his story reminds me a little bit of Salah going to Chelsea, uh, not having a really good run of it, uh, going to Roma, reinventing himself. Um, Depay is 26 years old. He's a good finisher. He's unpredictable. He's gotten a lot stronger. Uh, and he's been in double-digit uh, goals and assists for four years running, and that's how long we've had Mo Salah. So he's he's sort of that one chapter behind in the story, and I think um, giving him a second chance in the Premier League, if he'd be interested to come and reinvent himself at a top, top club with all that talent uh, and time to grow, um, and I also believe he would be uh, able to leave on a free. So you could be looking to do some shrewd business there uh, if they follow the same uh, Sala model. So I would be making a point to go for uh, for Depay. And depending on if we have Alaba, who could play as a midfielder, uh, losing Genie, we're going to have to need to address that situation. Um, but I, I also don't wonder if Klopp is going to sort of reimagine how top-heavy he wants to make to make our side um, teams are starting to play really defensively, you know, especially with no crowds they are really sitting back and making life difficult for us. So you wonder if he's not going to be looking to play a lot more forward attacking players in his lineup. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about uh, Pat Sindaka. Uh, he's a forward at uh, Salzburg who is basically Holland's replacement. He scored uh, in the league 20 goals in 18 games, which is averaging more than one goal contribution a game. And in all competitions, uh, 27 goals in 31 games. And watching the way he plays, his 
his his body and athleticism remind me of uh, Keita or Mane, and that he's very flexible, very quick, and he just seems to have this spark, this uh, this ability to turn um, and move so decisively and incisively. It's uh, he looks like a very player that we could bring to our attacking ranks, and I know it's starting to sound like an embarrassment. An embarrassment of riches stacking up on all these uh, progressive players, but but I wonder if um, Klopp isn't looking to to sort of evolve his game plan going forward. So I would be looking uh, at those three deals uh, at Colette Car, um, Memphis to pay, and uh, Pats and Daka. Um, but in addressing the midfield situation, uh, I'm not interested in the Suarez deal but i am slightly interested <laughs> in the coutinho um for, i think he's only valued at 35 million now he would be available and i have been rolling my eyes at this question for too many years thinking it was a, a silly story but now at that price and and looking at um all the noise that's come out of his camp and his his wanting to come back and play uh, at a cut price he knows the team he knows the city and there's a lot of quality in those legs still i think for that price so it'd be hard to it'd be hard to overlook that i don't know if you know klopp would would be willing to forgive him but i think it could be a bit of shrewd business so those are my three or four deals that i'd be looking to to bring in in addition to keeping kabak yeah very 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 interesting stuff um and i hate to break it too but i think alaba has returns with Bayern Munich but uh, oh, okay if that is the case I don't know I don't know I'm not 100% sure but I believe that was the case uh, but yes he would be unbelievably yeah absolutely wonderful wonderful player and uh, I agree with you on the whole although Memphis Depay um, I think it depends on what happens with with Koeman at Barcelona I mean He's under a lot of pressure, and uh, I think he needs an attacker. He tried to sign him last summer, but he didn't because Barcelona couldn't afford him. So that if Barcelona get rid of Coutinho, then they'll have enough money to get uh, uh, perhaps Genie and Memphis Depay this summer. I think that was the plan last year, uh, to so that uh, Ronnie the Red can start his revolution at Barcelona. Um, very very interesting stuff though i like the uh the idea i was just looking up croatian pronunciation okay because uh he's got a funny name um uh caleta car if you're british reading it but the first c has got an accent on it which means that it's pronounced ch as in church uh so it's chaleta and then the the c with no accent is pronounced c-f as in the word bat or so it's actually Chaletta Star, which I have never heard anybody pronounce correctly um, in uh, the English which, uh, well English commentators podcast people speaking. But I don't know, Copon. We do like our pronunciation. We are interested in language. Hey, hey we, I, we I love oh. it. <laughs> yeah, that's you're, 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 you're the first one. Well, yeah, I think I'm breaking new ground by actually trying to pronounce Croatian. Um, but yes, uh, it's the same with, uh, oh, sorry, another bug there of mine, the J. Okay, the J. When is it a Slavic language, like uh, Croatian, Russian, all of that stuff, um, uh, Serbian, all of that, then, then the J is like a Y. 
Okay, so Dea, Lovre, for example. But when it's Spanish, it's a H, okay, Juan, that kind of thing. And then when it's Portuguese, it's a J, like a Diogo Jota, okay, because I hear so many people calling him Dejan Lovre and, uh, you know, Diogo Jota, that I'm just going to ban that from now on, from couple. Okay, rant over. Brian, what are you doing this summer? Well, I, you know, I think we should sign somebody like uh, Yotta um, at the club. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm learning so much tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like I should be paying you for this. Um, uh, I, number one signing for me is Pedro Neto. I, I want him. I want him at the club. I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, he's 21. He plays right across the top three he is um uh, uh good mates with our with our friend diego yot yot jota jota have i got that right jota yes okay see we're making progress here um and i think the outs will sort themselves out i think whoever's due to go out they will go out and uh, I'm not worried about the outs, really. I think there's going to be a busy summer ahead, and we'll, we'll see what we have at the end of it all. As a um, left field suggestion, um, I would I would love us to sign Jack Grealish this summer. I know he's, he seems like he's 400 years old, but he's only 25 years old, and he is the best midfield player in the premiership right now i think um at that age and i think you know put him in a big club with some big players around him and he will he will go to the next level um so yeah they would be my two choices uh this summer and uh i'm looking forward to seeing what the wizard otherwise known as michael edwards will pull out of his uh his long sleeve uh in the coming months and who would you get rid of right um you know i think the I mean, it's, I think uh, Divock is, is is probably seeing his his last days. Matip as well. I mean, again, great player, but highly. There's too many players in our squad right now that are just, uh, although they're good players, a little bit like uh, Degsy in the fact that uh, yeah, if you could get five games in a row out of them, then they'd be brilliant. But we can't. So too way too many players that fall into that category. So I think all those players will probably get shipped out. Matip will probably go. I think there might be one, possibly two big names that might leave as well. Um, and I think one of those big names maybe, maybe Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. But then, then again, as you guys quite correctly pointed out earlier on, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna pay those wages? I don't think anybody's gonna pay his wages. Um, and He's only got two years left in his contract here at Liverpool. So, you know, there's a, there's a strong argument to be had. That, like you just, you know, you, you keep him at the club and hopefully you get more out of him going forward. Um, but yeah, all those fringe players, you know, Shaq, you know, either way, I'm happy for him to stay, happy for him to go. And he, when he's, we never signed Shaq as a game changer i don't think really we signed him as a squad player who can do something and he is a squad player who can do something and he's happy to do that so i'd be happy to keep him um gomez i was quite shocked when you said that initially when i saw that on the agenda i thought wow (laughs) joe gomez he's 23 um and uh, all the rest of it 
But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you make a good case in terms of the money. I mean, really, uh, he still has a very high reputation, and uh, we could probably get good money for him, and we could probably uh, replace him. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'd let him go. Uh, I think he he's still, you know, before the injury. I just like to see how these guys come back after these two injuries, you know. Um, but I'm more worried about who's coming in than who's going out this summer because uh, if we can ship people out, great. If we can't, so, so be it. Really, I think there is a much stronger case to be said of of shipping somebody like Ox out because of his wages. Because although you know, it's not my money and it's not our money, right? But we do have to balance the books and we do have to pay for players. And there's people like Naby Keita and Alex Oakley-Chamberlain and they're the, like, sixth and seventh club. Um, and you, you have to ask yourself, what what are they actually giving to the club? What have they give gave, gave to the club over the past two years? And if we be completely honest with ourselves, it's not a lot, really. And so there comes a point when you have to kind of draw a line under it. And um, so I, I definitely want to see two go. Um, definitely Ox, I'd say, be more inclined to. And uh, yeah, uh, Nita. I mean, I think who 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 we end up signing will be completely left field. Most of us won't see it coming, because that seems to be how we do our business uh, these days. And and you'd be happy to. to... And not make uh, changes at the back, then you you could persist with uh, Gomez, Matip, Virgil when he's back, and uh, Nat Phillips. No, um, you know I don't want to say it because it's too it's almost cliche now. But I want to sign Koulibaly. I don't know if he's still if he's still on the on the market. But I think we need to go balls out. And um, I mean, it reminds me of you know a couple of seasons ago when we signed Van Dijk and Fabinho and. And Ali and Gold, these were big, bold moves that basically said to the whole world, we are serious. We are a force to be reckoned with. And we need to do that now because I understand the thinking behind keeping this team together, um, the, the cost of just extending contracts and, you know, and like keeping your best players at the club. It's almost like new signings. We've been all begging for that for years and now we've got it. Uh, and some of us are complaining that we don't have new faces, but... I'm happy to have the old face still at the club. I'm not talking about going to Barcelona or Real Madrid. Um, but I think everybody knows now, it's no secret that another statement needs to be made. And uh, this summer, we do need to make a few statements. And, and that, look, I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. Um, you know, I love Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk is, you know, he's a legend, right? But we don't know. We literally don't know what players we're getting back uh, in the summer. I mean, I suppose the medical department probably knows and Klopp probably has a better idea. But if we go into the new season without having another um, centre-back that is of, you know, that we expect to start week in, week out, I think we've been making a a critical error. So um, I I still think we need something up front. uh, And Neto would be... Number one, like he's my number one choice for signings going into the summer. And yeah, we need a big, ballsy uh, centre-back signing that says to the world, yeah, we're still here and we intend to fight for everything this this upcoming campaign. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Um, Felipe Coutinho, I said we would move on. And uh, I apologise to anybody Brazilian 
who is listening, because I know that I pronounce that very badly. But Coutinho will stick with the British uh, pronunciation for now, because it's very difficult. Portuguese Coutinho, maybe. Um, he has, over the past 365 days, according to fbref.com, love that site, um, but he is in the top, the very top 99th percentile in total amount of shots, uh, passes attempted, pass completion, progress, uh, progressive carries, and he's in the 97th or 98th percentile for non-penalty XG plus X assists uh, or, or the NPXG, um, progressive passes, uh, and he's really, really good at loads of other stuff. Um, he, at the same time, is uh, a shithouse, as they say, who feigned a bad back to get his dream move to Barcelona, which is all gone to pot. Uh, Peter, could you forgive him? Could you? Because for me, he might be an upgrade on Shaq, quality-wise, but he turns 29 in June, Shaq's younger, and I wouldn't swap Shaq for Coutinho. Uh, would you, Peter? I would. I would swap Shaq for Coutinho. I mean, those numbers that you just shared speak for themselves. I mean, he's an output merchant, which, you know, a lot of people refer to Salah as, as, as the same. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of volume there. And that's, that's the kind of progressive behavior we're looking for from our midfield. Uh, and uh, obviously, I don't think he would, he would probably warrant a, a starting 11 spot, but that's the kind of game-changing depth, serious rotation that you could have on your squad. And, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the, the bad back uh, story. I, I, I don't think he was on the treatment table, you know, telling farces to his uh, physio. I, I think it's, you know, the club knew what was going on. And it's just, uh, it's just what you say when, when this stuff is going on and, and, you know, <laughs> people are going to sit and pout about it, but there's been so much made over over the years since he's left, um, and so much money made also since he's left, um, thanks to his leaving. So, I I think he he regrets his decision. I think we had a, a lot of success after. I, I am completely um, okay with getting over it, more so than with the Suarez situation because I don't think he was. You know, he was a nuisance and and uh, and always at the center of controversy. I think these these things are just a little bit messy, and uh, you know, he wanted his his move and he got it, and you know, he fell back to earth, and he seems to be be hungry to come back. I know it would not exactly fall into FSG's transfer strategy on buying somebody young that they could potentially move on and and make a lot of money off of, but Tiago was sort of unconventional as well, but. There was too much quality uh, for a certain price that they couldn't pass up on it, and I think this is a similar situation and in kind of a weird, a weird year. So I, I would make the swap. It's a strong argument. It really is. Um, you know, forgive, forget. What say you, Brian? Yeah, in a heartbeat. Uh, absolutely, he's a brilliant player. He's uh, the money, the the numbers, the finances would make absolute sense. We don't, we end up getting them for practically nothing. Uh, considering the money that uh, Barca paid for us and still owe us on, on the deal. 
And uh, look, I think, you know, we have to be realistic. You know, Liverpool at the time were not Liverpool where we are now. I mean, Liverpool have only uh, become the force that it has become since Jurgen Klopp has come and literally put us right back on the map, put us right at the front, at the top uh, top seat, at the top table of European royalty. And, you know, when he first joined the club, he said, this is Klopp. Uh, he said, uh, "We want. I want to make Liverpool a destination, uh, not a stepping stone. And we have to be honest with ourselves. At that time, we were a stepping stone. Absolutely. It happened every three or four years. We, we lost all our best players constantly. None of us really uh, expected to keep anybody. And, and South American players, for, sh- for sure, they want to play for Barca, you know, or they want to play for Real because... You know, Europeans particularly can understand this, but, um, you know, people, our friends in America and anybody outside of Europe understand, particularly uh, South America. I mean, Barca and Real are football outside, <laughs> outside of Europe. And so the same way we think of Liverpool and, and other people think of United, whatever, the rest of the world thinks of Barcelona um, and Real Madrid. So for uh, a Brazilian kid... Uh, to want to go play in the Camp Nou um, in front of, you know, how many thousand people, I I don't know. Um, I I don't, I don't blame him in the slightest, you know. It's like, unfortunately, in those days, I I think the skullduggery that was happening with with, uh, uh, agents was at its peak, you know. It was just part of the game where people would start to claim injuries and all this kind of stuff, and... It's just a shame that that nonsense had to happen. But you know, he's a—you he, could just tell he's a good guy. He and and uh, and you know, he comes back to Liverpool, scores a goal instantly. Ninety-six percent of the fan base would forget and go, "Ah, it's all right, don't worry about." Because I think he is genuinely held in warm regard uh, by the Liverpool fan base. And uh, out of the two, with you know, uh, Suarez and and him. Um, as much as I adore Suarez um, as a footballer, uh, and I think his his title as villain is kind of a little bit over exaggerated. Um, he gave me the choice to Coutinho every day. I mean, people forget how good he was in in the middle of the, p- the pitch as well. Like uh, he he played he played great there and cutting in from the left. He'd be just such a great, and he's a for me, he's a huge upgrade on Shaq. I mean, it's not even, I think they're in the same conversation. Uh, he could easily hold down a starting position in, I think, in this Liverpool team if he got a run of games. So uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be exciting to see how, uh, what happens and, and if we see any old faces back at the club this summer. You've both convinced me because I was going to say I wouldn't take because you know there was various things like his uh or uh, you know i just read to you the great stuff but the bad ones are like uh he's in the fourth percentile for uh Preston. uh and you know can we fit him in but then i don't know yeah you've got me all nostalgic those 12 goals and eight assists in 20 matches in all competitions including the champions league in just that half season before he left us in January, with even a bad back or no bad back, they're absolutely phenomenal stats. And I just, you know, I could imagine that, uh, you know, he's versatile. He could play uh, on the left, for example. He could take some pressure off the 
country um, and uh, or playing just just in behind them uh, to Jotter or whatever, but any kind of front three, he could play just behind them and he would link up extremely well. So, yeah, you convinced me, guys. I was going to say no, but, uh, yeah, all right, yeah, bring it on, bring him back, bring him home, the little magician. Uh, okay. Um, the last question um, from is from one of our contributors uh, and a friend of Copon, uh, Ryan. Thank you very much for this question. He gives us the option, and I've been thinking about this as well, uh, in the summer, of signing a right back and moving Trent to midfield. Now, Trent is not particularly injury prone. He's still very young, though he's played a lot of football. Um, but then, you know, can you imagine, for example, uh, uh, midfield options being Jones, Trent, Hendo, Thiago, Fabinho, Milner, Cater, Oxlade, Chamberlain, for example? Uh, with that, we don't even need to sign anyone in midfield. Uh, and then, you know, if we get a, you know, a, a really good right back along the lines of uh, Ryan suggests Lamptey from Brighton, who's a player I really love to watch. He's uh, He's diminutive, but he has so much power, so much talent, so much grace on the ball. Um, so, hmm, it's food for thought. Is that is that something that you would be pro, Peter? I would be pro seeing it in action to see what it looks like, but but I wouldn't I wouldn't make a transfer based off of based off of that idea. I, th- I mean, why ha- why haven't we seen it? I mean, I just I think he has revolutionized um, the position. The way that we play it is so integral to to uh, to how we use our our fullbacks. It's we've we've evolved because of how good Trent and Robertson have been in that position. And you know, the argument that he's not good defensively, I, I think that's an outdated um, sentiment now. I I, I feel more than comfortable with him in defense, uh, especially as he's had to up his responsibilities uh, given our injuries this past year. So, listen, if we, if we buy somebody who's flexible enough to, to try it out, I'd be, I'd be open to, to seeing it in action, but I would not, you know, spend a, a 10 or $20 million on uh, on making that decision. I just think he gets uh, the potential of, of giving him all that space and all that time on the ball to help dictate tempo and his ability to ping these crosses and switch play, uh, I just I just think that's that's so rare, and I don't think there's anybody else that would give us uh, the ability to have that uh, in our locker while moving Trent. Uh, I just think replacing him is a lot harder than people might might think. So I I wouldn't bite on 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 spending money to do that. It's a very convincing argument, Brian. Are you convinced at this nay from Peter? <laughs> Um, I, you know, I've never been convinced with the whole idea of, uh, moving Trent, um, from his position where he's, you know, world-class, one of the best players and, you know, around into a position that he's very much untried. I mean, I think he might've played in the midfield when he was, uh, in the youth setup at some stage until you mentioned Lamptey. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> that. That's the only, he is the only player, every time I've seen him play, he's actually, out of all the players I've seen in the Premiership this season, he's number one in terms of, like, wow, he's amazing. And the first thing I thought of was, like, oh, shit, we've got Trent there. 
can, can we sign him? Could could we? Is there a way we could find to sign him? He's unbelievable. He's such a good player, and so maybe that would be an idea. If if we if we if there was a chance to sign him, Lamptey, that is, uh, I would I would maybe think about it. I mean, I'm wondering if if either of them can play on the other side. Um, I don't know if you've, you've seen that. I mean, I've I've seen Trent as a right back so many times when they switch from a corner or something, <laughs> um, but. Um, you know, we definitely need, uh, you know, everybody who listens to this show knows that I'm Nico Williams' number one fan. I spend all my time defending him. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think you go in too hard on him too much, uh, Owen. Um, and, uh, but I think maybe, I don't, I'm not sure he is the guy who is long-term going to um, be the, you know, be the guy who's going to back up um Trent uh, and we 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 do need a little bit of strength we need a I mean ideally we could sign a player that can play both both sides uh, um but yeah look if Lamptey was available I'd sign him in a heartbeat for sure and uh as putting Trent in the middle of it I mean I don't know we haven't even seen him there in mid in uh pre-season right as as uh Peter quite rightly points out why has why hasn't it happened? If if it's such a good idea, surely it would have happened at least once now, and it hasn't. Um, so that would kind of suggest to me that perhaps he is not Stephen Gerrard Mark II. I mean, that's I mean, I think we all got a little bit ahead away with ourselves when you know he's so young and he's so brilliant and he's so attacking and his delivery of the ball is so amazing. The I think the lowest hanging fruit is. Let's stick him in the midfield, right? In the midfield, he'll be brilliant. I don't think it's that straightforward for me. So um, that's kind of a very long-winded way of saying yes. Please, let's sign Lamptey, but perhaps not stick Trent in the middle of the pitch. Lovely stuff. Um, the only drawback with that plan, as far as I could I could see, is uh, Tariq Lamptey's injury. Now he went off with a hamstring injury in a goalless draw against. Fulham back in December, uh, which is a long time ago now, and Graham Potter confirmed around about the 12th of March that he's going to miss the rest of the season because uh, they need. He had a setback. He was going to come back, and he had a big setback, and uh, he went to see a specialist, and that, and then he requires now he he's had surgery, I believe, on his hamstring, uh, which is very very serious for a 20 year old. Uh, player, but uh, you know we wish him all the best and hope he does come back and recovers his pace because we don't want an injury-prone right back. We've got enough injuries at the moment, but and uh, but you know historically speaking, hamstring injuries. If you get a bad one like Michael Owen did uh, all those years ago, it's very very hard to actually come back. From um, but we wish him all the best. Um, okay, let's talk about some uh, some football. Um, our next four Premier League fixtures are Arsenal away, uh, Villa at home, Leeds away, and Newcastle at home. Uh, four beauties, I think, for, for for many different reasons. I'm getting very excited about them already. Um, uh, we're going to talk about Madrid in a minute as well. But, uh, Brian, how many points will we get, in your opinion, from Arsenal, Villa, Leeds, and Newcastle, how many points will we get? And is it necessary to get all 12 to have any hope of top four? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I think we can only afford to drop 
points in one of those games if we are to be you know serious contenders for the top four mix i mean i think the arsenal game is such a crunch crucial game and uh i i think it sets it it's set up nicely for us you know it's like if we can't beat arsenal away then uh i think that may be the final nail in the coffin in terms of keeping the dream of uh pulling a pulling a hail mary pass out of the out of the bag for this top four because looking at the fixtures for chelsea they haven't uh, fixed the list for the last four or five games or I, mean, I can't remember specifically what it is but it's not good right they, they have a tough tough run of games and I can't see them winning every single game I can see them dropping points maybe a few draws in there that will open the door to us um, but I think we have momentum now uh, we have some wind in ourselves we've got some good stories starting to come out we have players coming back um, even Joe Gomez, I believe, is scheduled to come back next month. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't be certain on that, but um, but I think Arsenal, if we beat Arsenal this next game, that would be huge, and that will give us a chance to get the kind of results that we need from Villa, Leeds, and Newcastle. Um, but I, I, I think we can afford to drop uh, one game uh, out of that, and I would say a draw and three wins is what we're looking at, whatever games they are. If we're to uh, if we're to um, get into the Champions League via the top four finish, that seems very reasonable. Uh, Peter, how are you feeling about the next four uh, league matches? I think the fact that we had the two wins right before the break, and then this three weeks to sit in that mood, in that mindset, I think it's just done wonders. Even if it's only two wins, the the Leipzig game and the the Wolves game. Um, it's just, just to hang on to those two wins and, and have that mood, mood last. So we're not running into another stumbling block or, or having another loss. Um, I think it's a great place for our players to, um, to sort of prepare for this final run in. And so much is going to be decided in these next few games. I would say to, to even keep our hopes alive of, um, of top four, I would agree with Brian in saying we could only drop points in one of those. We would need, we would need ten, 10 points out of those games. But realistically, um, I think that we're going to get eight points. I see us dropping points, unfortunately, in in two of those four games, um, uh, either the Arsenal or the Villa game, and then and I could see us running into uh, another stumbling block versus Newcastle. We're just we're just underperforming um, up front, and and having Jolta back is is wonderful, and having Fabinho back in midfield, and Kabak is playing better with each game now. Uh, Phillips is finally getting trusted, so there is a lot of positivity. So I am, I, I I do believe that that if we start off on our next couple of games, including the Real Madrid game, uh, playing well, I, I think we could start to to build on um, some momentum and some belief and, and really reinvent ourselves for this final push in the season. Um, I, I also wonder, you know, is there a little bit, uh, was it a little bit of a favor leaving Trent at home? Uh, the fact that uh, we are, we have so much left to play for um, and so much on the horizon and we're already so weak at the back. I think, I think the fact that we we've had Trent being able to, to train and get ready for this push is going to be big. So I'm still very optimistic Um about the mood maintaining something positive and us having a positive run in the Champions League, but I thought when we lost to Fulham, that was the end of our top four hopes, and 
and I think us us just getting eight points from these next four games is is still going to leave us short, unfortunately. Um, but that that would be my prediction. I think a draw versus Arsenal and maybe a draw versus Newcastle. Uh, I think we'll we'll get some revenge uh, versus Villa, and I think they're going to know that that pressure and expectation on themselves is there. And uh, Leeds' style is just going to leave us a little bit too much space to exploit. So I think that's a realistic prediction. It is realistic, and it's uh, it's marvelous stuff. Um, I'm going to be a bit more bullish because I think, uh, as you say, if if we can avoid injuries, which is a massive if this season, um, and Fabinho, so Fabinho does stay midfield, Diego Jota does stay fit, then I think we're going to get all twelve. Do uh, I think uh, Jota's going to be transformative? As you say, Trent uh, missing out. I think that's a massive boon for us. That's booning boon face for us uh, because not only has Trent had a lovely rest, uh, but he can now uh, go about proving Gareth Southgate to be the ninny that we all know on Cop on Podcast, and um, you know proving himself once again to be the best right back in. World, uh, but uh, you know the, the sandwich uh, in the uh, sorry the meat in the double decker sandwich uh, of our next few fixtures is Madrid that you just mentioned, Peter. So it goes Arsenal, Madrid, Villa, Madrid, Leeds of our next five league games. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait, uh, but we have to wait because of stupid national football uh but brian last week uh, um we spoke on a couple of podcasts about uh, madrid but i didn't ask you how you were feeling about it i was extremely bullish last week about madrid uh but now a few nerves have settled in uh, last week i was bullish i was like a bully from bullseye's uh bitcoin mining project extremely bullish but now i'm i'm, I'm getting fluttery how do you feel about Madrid, Brian? Oh, I am giddy, uh, absolutely giddy. I was delighted when we got them. They are absolutely perfect for us, completely perfect, because they're a they're a massive club. They're box office, but they're not box office because anybody who's been following them or know. Uh, how Madrid have been getting on. Uh, they, their position in the league, a lot of people would suggest, is a little bit high than they should really be. And this is not the same Madrid that we played. I think everybody said this ad nauseum now at this stage. But it's just the kind of game that we thrive on and we get up for. And it just reminds me of, um, it reminds me of the Bayern Munich game. Uh, I don't know if it was last season or a couple of seasons ago. That was another. That Bayern Munich weren't quite right, and we were we were we were right up for it, and we did a job on them. Um, I, I I hope that's accurate because it's late here in Hong Kong, so <laughs> I think that's right. But yeah, look, I I think that this game is tailor made for us, and uh, they right now this is the game we need. This is the the game. This is the challenge this team needs right now to um, to propel us to the next level. And I think it might just actually save our season as well because if we can if we can get through uh, Real Madrid and two ties. There's no reason why we can't go and and win the rest of the games of uh, of our uh, of our season, so I I can't wait. It's going to be amazing, and they have uh, El Clasico in between uh, uh, the games as well. They play Barca, right? Um, so it's going to be brilliant. And whatever happens, it, you know, 
uh, can we do it? I think we can do it. Uh, whatever happens, I'm going to enjoy that. That's just football porn. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than Liverpool, Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited just thinking about it now. Uh, and not only that, it's the Real Madrid side that we can beat for sure. Absolutely for sure. So, And we owe them. We owe them. So I hope we pay them in full. I love that, Brian. That's an absolutely wonderful answer. Um, Peter, are you equally giddy? Oh, yeah. I'm going to just echo what uh, Brian was saying. I, it's, it's blockbuster. It's, it's football porn. It's, it's gonna, I'm feeling more bullish about our Champions League aspirations uh, than I'm feeling in, in the Premier League. And the further that we go, I think that shift is, is going to happen even more. Um, we've we've brought our our swagger and our shooting boots to these games and um, in the Champions League this year and and I think there's there's still a lot of um, belief and uh, in the squad when they when they step on the pitch for those games and I, the wonderful thing about this matchup is both teams have struggled not having fans this season um, you know no. Madrid has been playing at another location, and Anfield is not the, not not a fortress right now. But there is uh, just enough story, just enough history, and you're also looking at um, two of the three last um, teams to lift uh, the Champions League um, trophy. Uh, so, so there is a lot of pride online, even though both teams are less than. Um, where they'd want to be, um, I think they're both going to be so up for it that uh, that they're, we're going to see an exciting kind of storied um, a series of events. I don't know, I don't know what uh, <laughs> you know what the talking points are going to be, but I don't think this is going to be dull. I think it's going to be really, uh, really fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm feeling confident, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see Nat Phillips getting up and uh, winning some more Champions League headers. Uh, I, I say, bring it on. Stuff, yes. Bring it on, Nat Phillips, winner uh, in the last minute from his head. Of course, it'd be his head. Powered into the top corner like Mark Lawrence and uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, thank you very, very much, guys. We're going to leave it there. I mean, we are in the midst of uh, a vacuum of international football that no one really cares about. But the thing uh, with vacuums, with the centre of black holes that even they could collapse and new dimensions can be created and new explosions can come out of it. Uh, so we shall uh, keep in mind all of the things that we have to look forward to. And uh, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much, Peter. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks a lot. 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 Thanks a lot.